On today's episode of Rice, we'll be discussing the pursuit of perfection, which is also the main theme of our Asian movie review of the week, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Plus, we'll be debating trending topics, including James Comey and the pardons for Trump and the Capitol rioters. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. We are recording this episode live on Saturday, January... I don't even know what day it is. Um, What day is it? (laughs) Saturday. Saturday, January 16th. I actually wrote in my notes, Sunday, January 17th, that's when we usually record, and as I'm looking at the notes, I was like, that is not the right date. Um, So we're recording this live Saturday, January 16th, Um, a different day for us, uh, because tomorrow is my boyfriend's birthday, and I am afraid of being cancelled if I were to skip out on his birthday for a podcast um (laughs) uh, if you enjoy our show please help us grow by leaving a five-star review on apple itunes uh, spotify or wherever you are listening to this podcast i'm your host vong show official spokesperson for gay super cute asians and on our panel today we've got the perpetually hungry leonard chan (laughs) food please (laughs) 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 okay so let's jump into our main topic of the week our main topic this week is the pursuit of perfection and you know uh, in general i'll throw this out to leonard but do you consider yourself a perfectionist and how does your perfectionism affect uh your comedy and writing uh i would consider myself a recovering perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I would say I used to be, and it would be one of those, it would be a problem, right? Because then you just let perfect get in the way of good. And now though, uh, especially with deadlines and, and all that sort of thing, it's like, you just don't have time for things to be perfect. Uh, and good enough is sometimes fine. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, that's where I'm at now. And I think that's better. Yeah, my my big issue with perfectionism of where it sort of hurts me in my life is more like trusting others. Like, Mm. I think as a perfectionist, you just sort of want things the way you want them. But as you start to get bigger, and especially in the entertainment industry, you just can't do everything yourself, even though with the concert film, I am trying to uh, (laughs) trying my best to show that that, that you can do everything. Um, from beginning to, to end, but it's it's not healthy because I really need to start trusting people. And at some point I'm going to have to, you know, not for this concert film footage, but for the future, I'm going to have to like let go and trust other people with my footage, with my lighting, with the directing and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what it comes down to is just hiring people who are better at you at these things. Because like, if I, like when I did, like for when I released my my comedy album, like I edited it myself, I mastered it myself, I did all that myself because I was like, I know that I am going to require, like I'm going to be so picky about everything that it's going to be a nightmare for whoever mm. I hire. And I just did it to spare uh, whatever poor sound engineer who <laughs> would have had to do that. And then and I know that like, you know, I, I'm the only one who's going to do it to a level that, I want to be done that, but, but, you know, like 
there's certain things like right now we're trying to edit the pilot for a TV show. Mm. Uh, actually, you helped us on that. I got to send you the footage. Mm. Uh, but like, yeah, like there are professional editors and directors who are much better at this stuff than I am. So I will happily let them do it. Plus, I don't like there just comes a point where it's like there's just no time. But like you cannot yeah. possibly do everything yourself. It's impossible. So you just got to hire people you trust and let go and understand that like, you know, if you're looking for perfect, then it's involving other people mm. is going to make it exponentially harder. Mm. But it's okay. Yeah, like, you know, you're, you know, obviously, you, you know, this. like, I think you're one of the best comedians I've ever heard, one of the best writers, for sure. Um, so how did, like, when you first got in, into comedy, like, did your perfectionism have an effect on that or more on your writing like did you just keep going and going until things were perfect or i didn't know enough about comedy to know what perfect could even be like when you're starting like perfectionism you can't be perfect if you don't know anything (laughs) you know (laughs) so um for me like so i mean yes every time i do anything uh but especially with the arts it's it's always about like I want to be as good as I can possibly be, but that doesn't necessarily mean perfect because there is no perfect. Like sometimes imperfections is what makes something, especially with art, imperfection is what can make something beautiful. And that's really what I'm going for is, is, you know, some sort of, I guess, beauty. Uh, But like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like some of my most, like popular performances as far as like on YouTube and such, uh, the performances that have resonated with people the most are the ones where I felt like it wasn't a good performance coming off of the stage. And I actually had to have friends tell me, no, you need to upload it because it was like a special moment. But for me, it was like, you know, I missed a word here, I missed a word there. And so, yeah, you know, definitely sometimes trying to make everything perfect can um, can uh, delay things more, more than needed. And like you said, sometimes when it's not perfect, especially in comedy, because there's an audience there, um, yeah. it, sometimes perfection is, is boring. Actually, a lot of the time perfection is boring. Um, <laughs> I would say for yeah. me, I'm not trying to strive for perfection, but... I am trying to strive for, like, um, I I have a specific vision of what I want to lay down as my legacy of comedy. And for me, it's not about being the best at something. It's not about being perfect. It's about coming as close to possible to realizing that artistic vision that I have in my brain. And I know it's not going to be exact, but I just just want that. And that's what I'm trying to craft. So for me, like... um, yeah, like, uh, like a perfect example for me would be like, you know, like with Lauren Hill and the miseducation of Lauren Hill. It's like, you know, if you take a look at that album, and I, I just got it in in vinyl, so it's on the top of my brain. Like, literally, the whole credit is like written, produced, mixed, everything by Lauren Hill. Like, she's yeah. she's, she's like the only <laughs> like the only credit yeah. on there, and it's a great album. It's like one of the best albums of all time. Yeah, and so for me, that's what I'm looking for. I just want that moment of whether other people like it or not, whether other people appreciate it, I just want that one moment where I can put my craft together and that's what I'm aspiring to. Yeah, I think, um, I forget who's, Ira Glass said this, and he basically, he said, like, art 
the pursuit of art uh, is really about, and I'm paraphrasing, is about just getting your talent to match your taste. And there's a gap mm. between those two. And, it's not, and when you first start, that gap is much, much, much wider because you know so little. Uh, and all it is is putting in the work to reduce the gap between your talent and your taste. Mm. Uh, and I'd like to think I have good taste when it comes to, you know, comedy and art and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, like, I, you know, like I know right now that the stuff I'm producing is nowhere near the level of the stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but that's something to aspire to, you know. So if you aim for perfect and you get there, great, you know, but just, but don't, I, th I think you just can't be, um, you can't let the not hitting perfection hold you back. Yeah. Now, There's a point where you have to just say, this is as good as it's going to be and then stop. Now, on a related question, as you're trying to achieve your form of not quite perfection, but your, your vision, like what, what are you willing to give up to get there? Because um, here, I'll, while while you think about that, I'll just sort of give a few examples. And, and this is sort of where the Asianness kind of comes into the conversation. Because I remember watching a movie when I was younger, Goodwill Hunting, and he, you know, the whole crux of that movie is, you know, he was a brilliant mathematician. He could have really changed the world, but instead he chose his own personal happiness. Which, sure. Like, on an Asian point of Idiot. view, it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> no, you, you can't choose your individual happiness over if you really are one of the best minds in the world and can change it. You know, another example, and I'm going to get into trouble with this, but, you know, my favorite singer of all time, um, technically perfect, uh, and probably the reason why I'm a performer, because she was the first Asian I saw on TV, who is just so perfect that she inspired me to um, become a performer, and it is it is uh, Sharice Pempenko. And I don't mean to misgender because Sharice Pempenko is now Jake Zyrus. And the reason why I use she, her pronouns for Sharice is because Jake had said that Sharice was a character, a performance. So I, I do change the pronouns whether I'm talking about Sharice or Jake. So I'm not meaning to, to misgender. But, you know... With Jake, he chose his happiness over his art form. And, you know, he went from, you know, six, seven, eight octaves to like one octave. And like, you know, going from being called the voice of Asia to being like more of an independent artist now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, what, what are your thoughts of like, if you know that you could be one of the best in the world at something, what are you willing to give up to attain well, that? I mean, I feel the thing is, I think that happiness is an illusion. Happiness is not a thing. Like I don't choose what I, well, see, it's weird because it's like happiness is temporary, right? So it's like, if you're, if you're choosing happiness as the thing that you're going after, I, it, you know, like it's ephemeral, so you'll grab it and it's gone and then whatever, right? But like, I feel like greatness sticks around. That being said, I don't think you can be great at anything unless you're happy. So like, if you are, I mean, because like, I think like if Charisse had kept doing what they were doing, but were miserable, mm -hmm. like, I don't think that helps them either, you know? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, like, I mean, I am pursuing something in the arts. I have two degrees in engineering. I gave up a 20-year career in engineering to do this. So, I mean, <laughs> at least that's an example of something I give up. Like, it's, I gave up security. I gave up uh, steady employment. I gave up, I gave up a lot of time. Like, I devote all my time to doing this, pretty much. Uh I mean, I wouldn't particularly, I wouldn't call this a sacrifice. I didn't have kids, but I don't think that's a sacrifice. I think that was <laughs> a great choice that I stand by. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's a lot you willing to give up, but, but I've always felt it was important to have balance. Because I think, especially in the arts, like, if you don't have balance, it's going to affect your art poorly. So. Yeah, and, you know, just just sort of picking up on that like the, the there is this balance between you know pursuing perfection being passionate about something and then having it you know flip over into obsession and having yes. it take over your life um and it, it's kind of funny because i i have a hard time with this balance i would say i'm probably willing to give up more than most to 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 pursue that perfection in that like I always thought I'd be single actually I I never thought I would end up with somebody because literally on the first date I would tell them just so you know like if I get a call where I need to be you know in New York for six months to do a project like I'm gone and like you're not gonna like not only will I not talk to you about it, but like you won't be a consideration. Like this is <laughs> like you need to know this on the first date. Okay, and and now like you're in, you're in a loving relationship. It's it's your boyfriend's birthday tomorrow. You have moved the podcast <laughs> from tomorrow to today because you don't want to affect that relationship. If you hypothetically, yeah. I mean, let's, in a non-pandemic where New York is like the epicenter yeah. <laughs> of business world. Uh, and you're like, you got to go to New York and you got to leave and he can't come. You got to go. What do you do at this point? Has your view changed? It hasn't changed in that, you know, I literally told him on the first date. So so he, he understands. Um, Wait, and how long have you guys been together? Uh, we just passed our five year anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and trust me, mo- almost everybody in my life agreed that I would never be able to end up with somebody because I'm just so... <laughs> Hardcore, like people were very, very surprised. Um, because I've been saying since I was young that I'm, I'm trying to achieve something and nothing can get in my way. And the funny thing is, this is the reason why the relationship works isn't really that I compromise so much, even though you know we're not recording tomorrow, but um, like it's not so much that I compromise, but I found somebody that didn't feel like they were getting in the way, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. So, like. Every relationship yes. I've ever had, like, so so the reason why I never thought I'd end up with somebody is because every relationship I ever had, it was always, like, a conflict. My goals um, were in conflict with the relationship. It was all the time. Like, yeah. it was just crazy. It's great for drama. Oh, my God. Like, I would <laughs> have... You know, I have a goal. There's <laughs> obstacles in the way. But now, you know, apparently your boyfriend is no longer one of those obstacles, which is great. <laughs> yeah. And not only is he not an obstacle, but what I didn't realize is if you're in like a healthy, loving relationship, not only are they not obstacles, but they can actually be helpful in yeah. realizing your dreams, just like I'm helpful in him realizing his dreams. But like in the gay community, like my first, you know, all my, most of my other relationships, no way. No, there was always an obstacle. It was always drama. Like even 
even performing, I would have like, oh my God, I remember I told one of my boyfriends, like, you know, you can come to this show, but I'm showcasing. Um, so like, it's an industry event. Um, it's a really important thing. So I probably won't get to talk to you before and afterward there's mingling. So I probably won't be able to get to talk to you. Um, but you know, I, I'd love you to be there, but like, you're not going to be my focus of the night. Like this is work for me. And he came there and sure enough, even though I told him I wouldn't talk to him, he like threw a hissy fit in the middle of my performance. He literally got up really loudly. Like, I don't know if he threw a chair, but a chair definitely fell down and he made as much noise as possible walking out. So this is like my frame of reference of like... Okay, well, see, that guy's just mentally disturbed. I, I mean, like, there's... Like, the worst that, like, okay, so, like, my wife would never, like, I think it's, yeah, it's about find the right person who's willing yeah. to support your dreams, because that is what a, a true marriage is. It's about, because you're not responsible for their happiness, but, yeah. but you can't be in the way of it. Yeah. And, and I think once you understand that, once you under, understand each other, great. Like, if he's standing up in the middle for four minutes and, like, knocking over a chair, like, you bitch, and then walks out, it's like, okay. Hold on. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, he just, he just wants attention. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, especially, and there's the conflict, right? Because, like, as yeah. comedians and performers, it's like, we want attention. So it's like, well, you 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 can't have it too, all right? Especially on a night like this. Like, so, yeah. you know, like, not tonight. Yeah. yeah. Have I ever mentioned gays can be somewhat dramatic? <laughs> oh, I've I, I heard rumors that that's thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, getting, you know, pulling it back more into, like, the topic of pursuit of perfection, what you're willing to give up. Like, my answer of what I was willing to give up would have been way different because mm. I just never knew that you could be in a balanced, happy life and relationship. I was definitely leaning more into that like obsession of like, you have to give up everything to be able to achieve it. Now I will say if push came to shove, um, you know, I would still choose my passion over. So it's like right now I'm like, things are balanced and it's working out because it's balanced. But if for some reason, you know, the relationship between became crazy and it became an obstacle i would choose um to pursue my you know to pursue my passion more than i would the relationship i think that's the right move right because like if you know this is the thing you want and then if you give it up for somebody i don't feel like you would ever forgive them like even Mm. though it's your choice but there's always – I feel like if you're, if the passion's strong enough, there's always going to be a resentment. And that's just going to poison the relationship anyways. And now you'll have nothing. You'll ruin both things. So you at least have one thing that you, <laughs> that you definitely know you want, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, like, I mean, we've had this – like, my wife and I have had this conversation where it's just like, you know, like, what if I have to move to L.A.? Like, it could happen. Like, where it's mm-hmm. just, you know what? you got to come. you got to do the show. And it's like – I mean – or New York. Like, she doesn't want to move to New York at all. Mm. Like, like she does not want to go to New York and I'm like I like New York but she was like if we go to LA and you get me a house on the beach then sure (laughs) I was like you understand that like you know even having a place to stay would be nice (laughs) Uh, but yeah anyways but yeah I think like I think that's the, but that's passion versus perfectionism. You know, like I think perfectionism is more of a, uh, it's underneath the umbrella of passion where it's like, this is a thing that you're trying to get really, really good at. And then, 
And then you're just like really focusing on tiny little minutiae that nobody else will notice. Yeah, like, you know, with uh, with the concert film from earlier this year, and I, I know I keep teasing our audience with it, but the um, the first footage is going to be released um, coming up on, uh, I think I'm going to do some teaser footage for Chinese New Year, which is February 12th. Um, so you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to, to, to see it um, then. But the people who are there will know, like, everything from the lighting to the stage setup to where the cameras are. Like, I just wasn't able to let go of a single detail. Like, I needed to be hands-on on everything. And I wasn't just comparing it to other people's um, specials. I wasn't even comparing it to, like, um, to what's on Canadian TV. I was like, you know, this needs to beat, like, Chris Rock. I'm lo- I'm looking at, like, who the top of the top are. And it's, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, you don't have to go that far. Like, it's, it's your first special. But I was like, no. I was like, if my name's on it... Um, and it's my debut to the world. Like it's it's got to be a certain level, and it's I don't know. Like yeah. I, I'd like to say that I I could become more balanced. It just I don't know. I'm I'm working on it, Leonard. I'm working on it. <laughs> you know what? I I mean I I, I get it. Um, I get. It. But I'm kind of in a point now, especially like with my performances, and especially performances like you know for like Winnipeg or JF, like other for other people. You know, like where I'm not the one who's in control of anything. It's like really all I control is what's on stage. And even then, I know enough now to know, like, like my last, uh, like I shot a thing for Just for Laughs. And then I did my closing joke, which I knew was risky. Like it works like about 70% of the time. But mm-hmm. that's like, then when it works, it works great. And when it doesn't work, it's like, oof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then unfortunately, I hit an oof moment that night. But it's yeah. just like, but the thing I know is is like you know what it as long as i make it look like it worked on stage then in my brain it's always like they'll fix that in post (laughs) yeah it's fine it'll sound fine it'll look fine who cares they were professionals they're better this than i am they'll make it sound like i did fine like the rest of the set i crushed it was just that one last joke where i was just like ah damn it see Um, I will say where my sort of obsession comes, and particularly with with the with the concert film, is I I I I did give up trust to a casting crew um, when I when I taped my my first special in in the U.S. for MTV, and right. it was. It was so bad, and I trusted them so hard because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a kid. I was in my late 20s, and it was a disaster. First of all, they paint my face in, like, basically, like, geisha makeup. I was so white. And then I was like, is this right? And they're like, oh, it'll look good on camera. It'll look good on camera. It did not look good on camera. I looked (laughs) like a geisha. It was terrible. Is there anywhere we can see this? I have buried all like I can't I can't even and then and then like oh my god they they basically spliced up my material to make it like one liners and I'm not a one liner comedian I weave intricate stories that like I'm probably closer to I don't know like even the way that that I structure my stand up is probably closer to 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 a playwright because I I sort of write like almost a half hour at a time and I debut it all at once. Like I don't like, this is not like, Oh my God. And for them to, so anyway, that's part of what, so that's why like, so you, you had a bad experience, but then, but that's the thing. You just have to, 
put yourself back out there and learn to trust again and give up control and everything will be fine. I understand though. It's hard because it's your baby, right? You know, like you don't want to spend all this work, all this money and then have the end result come out crap uh, because somebody did a bad job. But the thing is at the end of the day, you know, uh, there are certain things you can control and there's certain things you can't. So, you know, um, and part of it is controlling your neuroses yeah. <laughs> so that you don't go insane trying to pursue like professional. But you know what? I don't, I don't think it's a bad goal, but I, I think like it's, it's only bad if, uh, if it's the only goal. I think it's, it's more of an aspiration than it is an endpoint. you know? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, well, uh, thanks for your thoughts on the topic, and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about the pursuit of perfection when we do our movie review because that's the whole theme of uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. So we will we'll get um, uh, back to that topic a, a little bit later in the episode. But now we are going to jump into our trending topics, and our first trending topic in um, this was supposed to be a weekly segment, um, but but I've only done it once before, but I'm bringing it back, which is uh, this week's segment of uh, this hoe getting on my last nerve uh, <laughs> belongs to former FBI director James Comey. Oh, wait, 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 where did this bitch like just jump out of? I thought we were rid of his stupid ass. Apparently he has some book that he's promoting. So he's back on TV talking shit. And I get it to sell books. You got to stay crazy shit. But now he's coming out saying that Joe Biden should pardon Donald Trump. And like, you know, first of all, James Comey, you're the fucking reason why we have Donald Trump in the first place. You may not be the only reason, but bitch, you did not help. I don't know why you're not in jail. I'm pretty sure you broke that law where you're not supposed to like reveal crazy shit like one week before the election. I don't know. There's, there's a law out there. Anyway... The way you did Hillary dirty and gave us Donald Trump, I swear to God, James Comey, I do not need your opinion on goddamn Donald Trump getting a pardon because that's what's going <laughs> to unify. No, you know what unifies? Like, it, it, it's so dumb because, like, people have been talking all week about, like, you know, we need to move on. We need to unify. You know what moving on will do? It won't unify It'll embolden people because you're like, oh, shit, there's no consequences. That's what it'll do. It won't fucking unify. No, you need to stamp this shit out. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to heal uh, and you have a gangrenous limb, (laughs) you can't be like, let's just get along, gangrene limb. No, you got to cut that shit off. That's how you heal. Just, you know, bite a stick, drink some whiskey, cut it off. I will say, like, the one thing that is unifying is I I think Democrats and Republicans both hate Comey. (laughs) 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 That That is true. Everything on both sides. So, you know, it's pretty impressive, like, that he can actually – because I remember, like, before the election uh, in 2016, we were like, fuck Comey. And then after the election, we were like, all right, Comey. And now it's like, fuck Comey again. It's just both sides. So there you go. He's he's doing his job and he's uh, helping unify people. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Now, on a related topic, but also a new segment, which I'm titling Oh Hell No, um, <laughs> is the Capitol Rioters, several of them, 
um, are reaching out to Donald Trump asking for a pardon. So this includes Jenna Ryan, who's a Texas real estate broker, and uh, Jacob Chansley, who is known as the QAnon shaman. You know that that crazy hoe wearing the horns? Yeah, Um, Viking. And like you know, this I I could have titled this segment "Bitch, Please." I'm like, I can't, I can't even take you people. I can't take. You knew what the hell you were doing. No, I, I don't think they did. That's the problem. They're <laughs> mentally ill. They are not right in the head. They, I don't think they knew what they were doing. Like this, this Jake Chansley dude. He was like, I was sent there by God, and I was following ley lines and this like conspiracy shit. And he's like in jail, and he refuses to eat anything but organic food, which his mother says. Oh, he needs a real die. Oh my god! You know that's good parenting. Uh, yeah, man. Like these people are—they're not right in the head. <laughs> yeah, it's always hard because when people bring up like mental health, it's always you know like so. Most of my life growing up, mental health wasn't given like enough you know credibility, and people would make fun of it. So I'm not saying that, but. I'm like, I don't care where the, they lock these bitches up, whether it's a mental ward or it's in a jail. Like, if you storm the Capitol, like, your mental health is secondary to, like, the health of, like, you know, the people who died. Like, you know what? Yeah. Like, let's, 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 let's keep it real. Like, when you're committing a crime, and second of all, people like to use mental health and excuse mainly for white people. Like, come on now. Come on, let's let's be real. <laughs> I'm not saying no. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I'm just saying that, like, I really don't believe. At least the shaman dude, I really don't believe he knew what he was doing was wrong. <laughs> like, I mean, he thought he was sent there by God. Like, you know, like, yeah, I think he genuinely <sighs> uh, just does not know, and I think a lot of them don't know. It's really interesting because, like, if you watch the footage of the riots, you know, like a lot of them, they get inside. And they get inside the the Capitol building, like they break the doors, they get inside the Capitol building, but they won't go past the velvet ropes. Like it was like they were, they got thrust into this movie and then they're like, I don't know what to do in this movie. I don't know what my role is. Like now I'm just here and I'm confused. And like people are just asking for directions because they're lost. Like it was this weird little cosplay insurrection that was very, very bizarre, but also very dangerous as you, because there were people... You know, as you know, like there are people who actually plan to do some pretty nefarious shit, uh, like zip ties. Like there's talk today, like FBI um, has mentioned that, like, yeah, there are Proud Boys who were planning to murder Pelosi and mm. hang pants, like all this stuff that they said they're going to do. Um, and it's not it's not great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. I will say there is a little bit of leeway there because I know they're a little bit lenient sometimes when members of cults get arrested and they're harder on like the cult leader because yeah. the people in so the cult are like brainwashed. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Like Donald Trump, I was I was actually saying this to my boyfriend last week. I was like, this bitch might hand out 170 pardons. Like. Oh, I don't right. know. This pardon list. Yeah. I mean, it, no, it his pardon huge. list is it's a who's who of like why. <laughs> um, you know what I would love to see? Like he likes reality. Like he's going to like right now, everybody's dropping his ass, right? Like, yeah. like the PGA is dropping him. Blah, Deutsche Bank dropping him. Like everybody's dropping him, right? He's, he's getting canceled because he's a raging asshole. Yeah. Great. But he is like reality. Like he's going to have to make money. Right. So I think like reality TV would you love to see this? <laughs> Basically, you know, like the real world, <laughs> Trump, 
put Trump in a house with all his supporters, like crazy shaman dude, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like uh, Melissa Carone, the crazy drunk mom. Oh my god! Uh, like imagine all them in one house together, like in a reality show, like stuck in the house, like Big Brother. Mm. He hates his supporters. Yeah. He hates them. It would be horrible for him. I think that would be – I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that that would be entertaining. Um, you know, Trump supporters. Uh, put them on an island like Lord of the Flies. I want to see them, like, turn and start eating each other. Like, I, I need, like, a horrific, horrific well, ending to yeah. this craziness. I mean, that would be fun because uh, Jake Chansley only eats organic. And I believe cannibalism <laughs> – 100 percent organic <laughs> yeah i'll say one thing too of like this whole blind faith that they don't know where you know what they're doing they're part of a cult all this i will say what people are missing and i'm getting in trouble here but i, I don't really care like people keep talking about this as like you know white supremacy but it's also like christian supremacists like there was a lot of like jesus signs all up in the Capitol Hill, like where people were reporting like the destructiveness of Christianity. Like people need to get this shit together. Obviously, I'm biased to being a gay man, having been like hunted down and attacked by Christians yeah. for most of my existence. I, 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 I'm just not going to be nice about it anymore. You know what? Christianity and this whole idea of just believe, faith, faith over science, faith. Over facts. Just believe what the hell I am telling you to believe, bitches. What does it sound like? This sounds like grooming for a fucking cult. So Yeah, I, yeah. Come on. No, I think science is important over faith. Like if I'm trying to jump across a a, a, a chasm, I wanna know I can make it, not believe. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in shit, people. I do not believe in shit. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but like the real like real Christians, I'm not like I think the ones like what Christianity really does like the basis of christianity is just to be good really that's all it was jesus was like don't be a dick that was it and then like just thousands of years of broken telephone and it ends up with this nonsense is it broken telephone though to me that's the new testament the old testament was basically i hate games. Oh, new testament is horrible new testament <laughs> is torture porn uh, no, the, old, the new testament like the reboot the reboot was fine when they had a new character and yeah, he was yeah. like, turn the other cheek. <laughs> uh, no, Old Testament, uh, that dude, he, he was a surly god, let's say. <laughs> yeah, listen, Jesus is fine. Jesus was nice to people, and that's what yeah, we need and, to be. And he had great abs, so, you know. <laughs> okay, that, that topic <laughs> took us on a few different uh, directions, so thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, staying with me um, on it. Now, our next <laughs> weekly segment, I feel like I'm just going to come up with crazy weekly segments from now on. I love it. It's just go nuts. I love it. This weekly segment weekly. is called Somebody Help a Bitch Out. And <laughs> today's subject of that is Carl Anthony Towns of the NBA. Oh. Okay. This poor, poor... Dude, you want to go biblical? This guy's Job. Oh, what my God. Honestly, this poor dude. My God. So for our listeners who don't know, Carl Anthony Towns, he's an NBA player. He has just contracted COVID-19, which, you know, obviously a lot of people have contracted it. But he has had seven family members die of COVID-19, including his mom at the very beginning. Like this dude, somebody just, somebody give him a break. Like this is just, 
I don't I don't even know what to tell you, Leonard. Like I don't even know how he's playing basketball. I, I know he's off well, now. He's definitely but... not right now. How did he get it? I want to know. Like, did, were they play? Oh, were they playing the Rockets before? <laughs> <Did> they, <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> Um, oh if you play hard, because like you would think somebody who had seven family members die would basically be in hermetically sealed bubble. Uh, but I, <laughs> but I guess like in the NBA, like you can't, like you're around all these sweaty dudes, many of whom go maskless because they're idiots. Oh my God. I can't like, this is just, I don't know. I've, it's, it's, it's just so crazy that there's people out there who are suffering this much with like seven deaths in their family, and then they have to listen to this bizarro world where they have the president saying this shit isn't real and people not even wearing masks. Like it must be like I'm so furious at these people. I can't imagine how furious I would be if I had seven people die and I have to like turn on TV and uh, see these bozos who won't even wear a goddamn mask. <laughs> bozos. <laughs> You're like the New York Post. These bozos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know what? I, I all you know, I hate to say it, but thoughts and prayers to to Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I hope somebody. I hope things go right for you. I hope the rest of your family good health because that honestly, my heart sank when I when I saw that that Carl exactly. Anthony had contracted it. It's just, oh, it's well, just sad. Anybody who drafted him in fantasy, it just really blows. <laughs> <laughs> that too that too yes. <laughs> okay now in our final hot topic in a segment i like to call is you for real <laughs> is um uh pga golfer justin thomas has been dropped by his sponsor ralph loren after being caught on tape um because he uh, he uttered a gay slur, you know the the go to one um, that all sports people seem to use, which is faggot. But the thing is, he wasn't even calling another person a faggot. What he did was he missed a putt and then just screamed no faggot. I don't know if he's calling himself a faggot, whether he's calling the the ball a faggot. One thing I will tell you, okay, Justin Thomas, that shit don't even make sense. Because if there's one thing gays know how to do, it's find the fucking hole. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, a, a faggot's a miss? Like, to I'm be pretty fair, sure, I don't like, know. Do gay people put the ball in the hole? Like, that seems real. Painful. Oh, Leonard, they put all they put all kinds of things, trust me. No, but they're all in the dark. Ball, like, just, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I know they all put all sorts of other things, but like. <laughs> hey, if the hole is big enough, you can fit it all in. I'm telling you. But honestly, Justin, just no. And the weak ass apology, no. I don't care. Um, But one thing I want to talk about is like sports in general. I I do think people are not like holding sports to enough of a standard. Like, you know, this is not uncommon. Like, I grew up playing every which type of sport you can imagine. And this is just common, quote-unquote, locker room talk. And for me, it's not even about, like, the actual talk. But every time I see, like, these sports leagues have, like, these pride nights where they're trying to, you know, make money off of the gays, it really pisses me off because maybe show some pride by creating an environment where a single person can fucking come out. Like, there's not a single person out in 
team sports in North America. That's hundreds of fucking athletes. So, you know, maybe find some pride in your own fucking environment so that people aren't scared to death to come out so that it won't ruin their fucking careers. Yeah, that's that a good point. Um, yeah, and also I think we should just examine, does golf make people worse? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got Tiger Woods, oh. you got Donald Trump, you're just, I mean, I understand it's a frustrating game, but like, come on. <laughs> oh, speaking of golf, okay, I have two other bitch-ass hoes of the week I need to throw under the under the bus, because Jack Nicholas and Annika Sorenstam had the nerve to go and accept their presidential Medal of Freedom this week, last Thursday, the day after the Capitol riots. All right. So, like, we're t- but we're talking, like, like a 70- or 80-year-old white man <laughs> and a Scandinavian. I mean, come on. I mean, do you think they're not into the whites? I think they're into the whites. <laughs> so this is uh, not, you know, but like Bill Belichick at least said no. So that was nice. Yeah, uh, one person. And he's a true patriot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'm still mad that Tiger Woods accepted the the Medal of Freedom earlier this year. So, you yeah. Know. And he's he's half Thai. So, you know, we've already disowned him for that shit. Among other. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things to disown him for. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like I, we, he was disowned years ago. Oh, my God. Golfers are not good people. I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, I I say that in a cheeky way because a lot of people I know, including my dad, love golf. But I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like just par for the course. (laughs) Like somebody was saying to uh, to Jack, they, they were basically saying about Jack Nicklaus, like it makes sense because he built his fortune playing at clubs where women and black people weren't allowed. So it it kind of all fits, I suppose. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> um, and okay, that's the end of our trending topics. Clearly, the trending topics is just becoming me like screaming at random people <laughs> in, in the universe. You know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I like it. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why this week I just had there was that was four bitch ass hoes um, that I just needed to scream at because they just pissed me off this week. So, you know, we'll we'll see who I'm angry at next week. Um, so uh, going into our final segment, this is our Asian movie review of the week where we are choosing a movie that's associated with the topic of the week, which this week was The Pursuit of Perfection. So this week's movie of the week is Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Now I'll, uh, I'll, I'll push over to Leonard on uh, what were your general thoughts about this documentary? Uh, I thought it was great. So just for those people who haven't seen it, uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi is about a octogenarian Japanese man named Jiro who literally all he does is make sushi every single day of his life. Uh, and he's been doing it for decades. And he's devoted his entire life to it. And all he thinks about is how to improve the process, um, you know, the ingredient, like, and, and the, you know, the ingredients he buys and the way he prepares things and all this stuff. And it's, it's fascinating. And, and of course, like, uh, this man's restaurant is the number one sushi restaurant in the world. It has, I believe, two Michelin stars. Uh, three, I think. Uh, is it three? At the time of the documentary, he might have been downgraded to two, but during the documentary, it was three. 
Oh, okay. So three Michelin stars uh, for a restaurant that doesn't even have a bathroom in it. So this is like, it's literally, it's a stall where you go and he just makes the sushi, plops it in front of you, you put it in your mouth and you go on. Apparently it's amazing. Uh, I considered going. It's like hundreds of dollars just to sit down for one meal, but I'd be into it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good movie. Uh, oh, and also a subplot is his, what his sons oh. have to live up to this man's <laughs> legacy which my god thank god my father wasn't like a famous comedian or something jesus <laughs> you know he's only a famous comedian in his head uh yeah like so that's the other thing like how do you live up to that level of perfection you know and it, it was a great documentary um and it was just sort of like yeah it's about like is this man obsessed is this man you know and but he seems perfectly happy that's the thing it doesn't seem like he was missing out on a lot like and i think for some people that's cool like i think it would have been real sad if it's like jiro dreams of sushi and he wishes he didn't <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that would be terrible it's like i can't stop um so yeah i think for some people like that kind of life where it's like you it's like you focus on one thing you know, it's like the it's like the uh, curly speech from City Slickers. You know, the meaning of life, one thing. And then Bailey Crystal's like, "What's the one thing?" And he's like, "That's for you to figure out." And then he dies the next day. Spoiler alert. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I, I mean, it was it was well crafted. It was uh, it really went into like everything that goes into this man's craft, the way he thinks. Uh, and this like single-minded pursuit of perfection, which is a very Japanese thing, I feel as well. Like always looking for perfection, you know. Like there was this great anime that uh, both Long and I love. It's called Hikaru no Go, and it's about uh, a boy who's possessed by the spirit of a Go player, an ancient Go player. And that guy is like seeking like perfection, like the perfect move, the perfect game, and it's like the pursuit of that. That's I mean, that's how. You know, you, you you become great, but like, um, yeah, sushi. <laughs> it was a good movie. You should yeah. watch it. It's it's kind of funny. So this is gonna be my first after a whole year of doing reviews. This is gonna be my first bad review of an Asian ah! movie because I'm so overtly biased toward Asians that I enjoy basically anything that we put on, including several movies that the other reviewers didn't quite like as much. I like, you know, I was all for even things like Romeo must die. I'm all for that shit. Um, but this one, I feel like unless you're into sushi, it's a really hard thing to watch. Like I just, I couldn't, <laughs> Like, it just seemed like a self-congratulatory, like, I didn't see, like, I, I get it, it's a documentary, but to me it was, like, food porn, like, slow motion food porn of, like, I was like, does this have to be in slow motion right now? I was like, can we get, like, there's no really, like, and, and I know it's a documentary, but even documentaries you, you tend to have some arc, and I guess the arc is, like, Oh, the big thing was his. Oh, I guess like, I don't know if I can do 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 this. I don't care. I don't care about the movie. So I'm gonna do, do some spoilers. Nine years, ten years ago, this movie, you can spoil the shit out of it. Go. Is it like the big thing at the end was like you know the is his son gonna be able to live up to his legacy? And then they reveal in like a surprise reveal at the end. Actually, when the Michelin people came, it was his son who uh, made the sushi for them. It wasn't him at all. Ah, oh, da da da. So it was like I was like, okay, I guess that an arc but i was like 
This is like all those horrible, horrible Netflix food porn shows that my boyfriend watches. I feel like I'm just so traumatized by all these Netflix food porn shows that watching this documentary, I was like, oh my God, now it's a two hour version of this food porn shit and in slow motion to fill out ah, the runtime. It was only 80 minutes. Oh. <laughs> I guess it felt like two hours to you. Oh. I mean, but the thing is like, in this instance, like I was okay with the lack of like a strong narrative because really it's just like a portrait of a man. That's what it was. It was just like, we're just going to show you what this dude's life is like. We're going to show you what the pursuit of perfection looks like. We're going to show you what happens when one man dedicates his entire life to one thing. Mm. And then you can look at this and you can make your own judgment as to whether or not this is a life well spent. And I think that's what's cool about it, you know, because you just get to see what that looks like. He he definitely looks happy. He's eight, he's 85 in the movie and he looks very happy. I, I I do think, you know, you're right of like this is a very Japanese thing and in general a very Asian thing of it's it's never about the pursuit of happiness. It's more about like fulfillment and finding that purpose. And, you know, if you can find a job that makes you feel that way, um, you know, which, you know, hopefully I feel like both Leonard and I have have found that it's like it really does change your life when you're not, you know, it's not like a joyous happiness. It's not like every moment I'm doing comedy, I'm like jumping for joy. But there is like this sense of fulfillment that is much more lasting. Um, And so he looks like he's fulfilled. His son, I'm a little bit less sure. A little bit less so. A little bit less so. Yeah. I feel like his son was just like, well, okay. Um, and so I'm not sure if, like, I feel like technically he could make it to where his father is. Maybe he's already done that, but I'm not sure if he'll ever have that heart and the passion because, you know. Well, what it is. Yeah. It was inherited. Yeah, and then it's and if it's not something that came organically from your own soul, if it, it didn't grow from there, then it's not going to have the same strength. It's going to be diluted through the generations. Um, I was just thinking, could you imagine like being that dude's son and being like, "I'm going to go to stand up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no way I would approach sushi sushi making if I was the son of like the number one sushi maker in the world. Are yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, but you also got to know that this guy is very good with knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, to me, this movie looked like an old man and his son that he had taken hostage and forced to, to learn to do sushi. It was, he um, did not he's look. Like, sitting outside, like, with the, with the seaweed, like, it's <laughs> 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 just, <laughs> I got, his life looked really shitty. I think Jiro is living his best life. I think his son's. I think the one son who opened his own restaurant, I think he seems okay. But the other one, oof, oof. I... He doesn't like you. Cl- you look at his face, and you're like, he does not want to be doing this. Like he, yeah, he had, he was. He's not dreaming of sushi. Like he's dreaming <laughs> of like just an easy life, like being an accountant. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's is not for everyone. This idea of pursuing your dreams. Like I, I know somebody who who's a, who's an artist who then took up like an office job and. 
you know, a lot of us in the arts were, you know, we just projected onto him our feelings of like, oh, that must be really sad. And he was like, no, actually, I'm happier than ever. I really like the stability. And now I just do art for the love of it, not to make a living out of it. So it's not for everybody. So I definitely see both sides. And I feel like his son is more of like the, you know, unless you're actually driven by that passion, it, it just can't sustain itself. I don't know how long a son is going to be able to do this. Like, I don't know. Like, here, I mean, yeah. Like, like yeah. Here, here's an example of like, of where I lean more on like the obsessive crazy side of it is like for like, so for, for the concert film, like, and this happened on my, on my first special too in the U S I get so revved up and I over prepare so much that my body usually falls apart. Um, I actually couldn't get out of bed for like two months after, after the, after the concert film. And like, this when when it when I did my filming in the US as well, like MTV had like my back gave out and I was bedridden for seven days. They had to assign like a production assistant to get me food because I couldn't leave the hotel because it's just so physically draining. Um and I put that much heart into it that like if you if if you don't have the passion for it, you just can't, like, you, why would you endure this type of pain <laughs> unless, you know, that's why I don't think, I don't think this guy's son is going to last. Like, the father's passion, you just can't, you just, what you have to put yourself through, what the the father basically said that he gave up seeing his kids. He was a stranger to his own kids until he forced them to become sushi chefs. But, like, <laughs> like, is this son willing to give that all up? I don't know. He did not look like he was willing to give that all up at the end. Yeah, but now he has like no discernible skills. This is all he's done. <laughs> like he's in his like forties or he's approaching fifty, and literally like uh, he's been doing this. So I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll do something else. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll like open a restaurant, but like it won't be sushi. He's gonna open a mac and cheese restaurant. <laughs> southern comfort southern comfort it's gonna be okada dreams of kd (laughs) uh but yeah you know i i I will say my recommendation i don't know how much it has to do with the actual documentary i didn't enjoy it myself but to give a bit of background i do not like fancy foods i i don't eat raw foods i grew up in the ghetto um which (laughs) I have not mentioned yet today. I grew up in the ghetto and our food. Yeah, you got to cook everything in the ghetto. That's. uh... (laughs) Yeah. You do not buy 10 cent like beef, rotten beef in Chinatown and then like eat it raw. Now you burn the salmonella out of that meat. You burn it to death and then you slobber it with chili sauce. And then guess what? To be fair, there's not a lot of beef that you would buy and eat raw. Uh... You generally try to cook that, but I do like uh, Ethiopian cuisine. There is uh, raw beef, lab lab in it, great. But you got to get a real good cut of beef. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say too. Just, I just so like I feel bad because even though I didn't like the documentary, I'm like so pro Asian that I don't want to dog it too much. I will say like it wasn't for me, but I'm so anti like fancy food, like. My boyfriend, just to give an example, he loves this movie. He's seen it multiple times. He actually said after watching it, he started to look at plane ticket prices so he could effing fly there. That's mm-hmm. how 
Like I consider it the same. Oh my god! If you don't go, I'll go with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I actually had to make a rule six months into our relationship where I was like, no more fancy restaurants. I was like, I know you're trying to like impress me, but actually, I just get so hungry that I eat McDonald's on the way home. So just for a bit of background for people wondering why I hate this movie, that's the context I'm coming from it with. If you are ghetto and like to burn your food, do not watch this movie. But probably for most people who do enjoy sushi and food that you can eat without burning, um, it's probably a recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good movie if you like food and Japanese people and (laughs) art. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Leonard. Um, And uh, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with uh, another topic. I do plan on actually planning out um, what the future weeks are and I'm putting it in the show notes so that you're able to watch the movies with us in advance so that you're not so lost when we're talking about the movie. But uh, next week we'll be back with a different topic which has yet to be finalize i i do want to thank everybody for tuning in on facebook on youtube on twitter and on our podcast um i'd like to thank our panelist leonard chan and i am your host vong show official spokesperson for gay super cute asians and that's what's up Okay, streaming is stopped. Okay, thank you, Leonard. Thanks for uh, accommodating the uh, Saturday recording. Um, and yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll try and set the topic and movie as early as possible in the week, Monday or Tuesday at the latest, and then I'll I'll uh, send it over. Um, awesome. ha- have you have you seen Cobra Kai? I've seen the first two seasons. I haven't seen the third yet, but I will. Okay. I'll uh, well, yeah. Let me know when you finish watching that, and then we'll we'll add that on. Um, yeah, I'll I'll look I'll I'll look I'll look through the list for a few more things. Um, but yeah, I had put it I had put it as a topic um, on the uh, on the whatever. Uh, what's it called? On Facebook and actually got like a lot of good suggestions. Um, oh, oh, I didn't see that, but cool. Yeah, Cobra. I mean, it's great. The ones I've the ones I've seen are great. Yeah, I was wondering, Leonard, would you be able to find um, my sassy girl from Korea? Is it out already? It's like twenty, thirty years old, probably thirty years old. It, it was the movie Is it called My Sassy Girl. Yeah. It was the movie that made Asians have respect for Korean cinema. It like really broke through. Uh, okay, let me see. Can I find a smaller version of this? There's a 1080p version I can get like right now. Oh, perfect! Yeah, if you could grab that one, we could do it, and um, uh, yeah, and it can come up with a topic that's surrounding it, either mental health or. Or 
lost loved ones or something. It's uh Hey, let me open let me see if this works. Doesn't always work. Ba -ba -ba, downloads by Sassy Girl. Upload. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, you need to, like this movie because back when I was young, people Asians hated Koreans. Like we wouldn't even give their entertainment industry any like whatever. And yeah. like, this movie was so good, Leonard. Like it literally people were like recording it on VHS and like making copies and handing it out because they're like, you have to see this Korean movie. Okay. Well, uh, it's it's coming down. So I'll have it in uh, 10 minutes-ish. Okay, cool. Yeah, and if you could send it to uh, – send me a link or something, and Veronica will probably need it too. That will probably be next week's movie. Okay, sounds good. Okay, thanks, Leonard. Uh, see right. you next week, and, uh, and thanks again for accommodating the uh, schedule shift. Oh, no problem. It's a pandemic. What else am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, see you next week. Hope you're leaving.